Welcome to BPC Podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and walk in confidence in the life and calling that Jesus has for you. Good morning. Welcome to the Palm Sunday service and our reading today is from Mark 11, verses 1 to 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people were standing there. And they asked, what are you doing on time that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went back to Bethany with the twelve. So today it's Palm Sunday. It's a story that we know very well. And today I want you to think about the best party you've ever had. But also, I want you to think about the party you'll have at the end of lockdown. The reason for this is that what you're seeing here is the start of the Passover. The Jews were getting ready to party. Jerusalem was heaving as people arrived, all getting ready to party. But at the same time, there was a lot of tension in Jerusalem. The Passover was a very sensitive time and the Romans would be on red alert. It was the significance of Passover that many Jewish nationalists, especially the Zealots, would have wanted to exploit. For the Passover reminded them of Moses being a Messiah, sent by God to lead them from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the promised land. The people were ready to rise up at Jesus' command. The great hope that the day was that Jesus would be be the Messiah who would lead a mighty uprising against these Romans. But let's step back a bit and ask the question, what would it have felt like to be a Jew in the first century Palestine? I suspect it would be very much like being French in occupied France during the Second World War, where the Germans were the hated masters of the country. So let's look at the context. It was Passover. And whilst the Pharisees and Sadducees did not accept Jesus was the Messiah, who had heard his teaching and been healed, eaten bread and fish, possibly twice, and drunk gallons of wine, believed he was the Messiah. So he rides in on a donkey, which to start with maybe doesn't look very king-like. Even for Jesus, not, he probably didn't look very king-like. He was not much taller than me. He was probably about five foot five. 
So riding a donkey is not a great piece of style. But on the other hand, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey sends a very particular message. The prophecy is in Zechariah 9.9 and says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous, having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Jesus here is making a very clear claim to be the king of the Jews. As an aside, it's also interesting to note that in the Old Testament, donkeys were used by judges and kings to get around, largely for errands of peace, not to show their power or to initiate war or uprising. So the main points of the talk today. I'm going to talk about excitement to begin with. The road from Jericho to Jerusalem involves a long, hard climb. The road goes through hot desert all the way up to the top of the Mount of Olives. And then you see the vegetation and the first glorious view of Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, people will meet friends and relatives. They will be singing praises and dancing and feasting. And you'd see convoys of pilgrims coming up the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. But for many, it wasn't just Passover time. They believed it was kingdom time. They dreamed of God's sovereign and saving presence being revealed. So in many ways, this idea of the climb reflects the climb towards the kingdom. The excitement we see in Mark's fast-paced gospel is Mark's emphasis on Jesus himself as the king. And then we see this exciting climax of the spreading of cloaks on the road for the coming king and the cutting off branches from trees or foliage from the fields to wave because you're welcoming a king. My second point is expectation. What we're seeing here is huge expectation. Although it's not entirely clear why Jesus suddenly went so public. Until now, his ministry had always been hidden. And just two chapters before, we read that they moved around Galilee in secret because Jesus didn't want anyone to know where they were. So what was Jesus doing? Well, think about the fact that he chooses to ride a donkey. When Solomon needed to establish his claim to the throne at the time of David's death, he climbed on David's own mule and rode into Jerusalem to the shouts of people, long live King Solomon. But as I've already said, we've already seen that in Zechariah 9, we have a prophecy of the king arriving on a donkey. So what we're saying is Jesus saying, I am the king that was promised all those years before. Also, the tradition of cutting branches seems to have come from the victory of Simon Maccabeus over the Syrians in 141 BCE where his return to Jerusalem was marked by his followers holding and waving palm branches. So as palms are not native to Jerusalem, the people responded by cutting down whatever leafy branches they could find and waving them and laying them in front of Jesus. So what we're seeing here is excitement and expectation, which are references to the Old Testament 
which obviously the Jews would know very well. So there's a real sense here that there's a pointing back in order to point forward. So my third point is confusion. What's next? This part I think is a bit confusing. Often in our lives we focus on not what's going on now, but what's coming next. The next event. Oh, for many of us, the next holiday, the next celebration. But here we see confusion. Jesus goes into the temple and then he comes out. There's no crowd. Where have they all gone? They've melted away towards the homes they're staying in or to the outlying visages or to wherever they're camping. They'll perhaps be reflecting on what they saw today and perhaps too their anger will grow as they believe their hopes have been dashed. Was he the Messiah? Was he the king they'd waited for from the beginning of time? Or was he just a guy? I saw a review in Amazon recently um, by Mr B Carlton who was looking um, and reading Pride and Prejudice. And he says, uh, it's just uh, a story about people going to each other's houses. Just, always that word, just. Was he just a guy? Jesus enters Jerusalem and goes to the temple. He looks around at everything. It might make him sound a bit like a tourist. But Jesus had been to the temple before, more than once, probably at least four times. And he's looking around just to see how things work, to check the money changers, to look at other trading activities. He's laying, taking the layout and getting ready for tomorrow. But then it's late and it's time to walk back to Bethany, two miles across the valley. The confusion here is that Jesus did not begin an insurrection as the crowds were hoping. He just looked around the temple and then left. Jesus came as the Messiah to Jerusalem, not as a mighty general to conquer the Romans. He came first to look at the standing of the people of God and to make an inspection. And in the rest of Mark 11, we see the results of this inspection. Malachi 3, 1 to 3 speaks prophetically of the Messiah coming to the temple in careful assessment. So why did the crowds change in one short week from worshipping Jesus to baying for his blood on Good Friday and crying, crucify him? In part, I think it was to do with the fact that Jesus did not fulfil their expectations of Messiahship. So how do we apply this? The next day we see them walking past a fig tree. Peter notices the fig tree and he questions it. But Jesus says, have faith in God. Jesus wants all of his disciples to have faith in him, but faith in the real Jesus. And this, in part, was the failing of the crowds who welcomed him so excitedly and then disappeared just as quickly. They failed to understand the nature of Jesus' kingship, the significance of his humble entry. Jesus came as the Christ, 
but also he came as the servant. And I think for Christians and for many other people, the difficulty we have is that a suffering Messiah is much harder to have faith in than a conquering Messiah. I'm sure you've heard preachers in the past offering a gospel of health and prosperity and people have flocked to them. If our faith is in a God who suffers because of the nature of this fallen world, then there will be hard times when we will suffer too. If our faith is in a Messiah who conquers through weakness, then there are going to be times when we too will be called to persevere in weakness. And there are going to be times when we'll have to wait patiently, like the first disciples, to see how God will bring about the salvation that we're longing for, even when on the surface it may look like nothing is happening. So I'd just like you to reflect, take a moment to contemplate what really is in store in Holy Week from Palm Sunday to Good Friday. Jesus seems to be in control here from the outset. He knows what needs to be done and he directs the action. He sends his closest friend to get all that he needs ready. But if you were one of those friends, how might you react to all of this? The crowds get caught up in the excitement of it all. Each of them has a part to play, throwing their cloaks and waving their branches. And on the edge of the scene are the Roman authorities, anxious to keep order. In a festival when the city is overcrowded and it would be easy for things to get out of control. So as you think ahead into this week, just reflect on the fact that the Gospels do not fit with modern expectations of success and power. Jesus isn't the sort of figure that Nike or Coca-Cola would sign up for an advertising campaign. I mean, who rides on a donkey? He looks ridiculous. But I want you to remember that all we have to do before God before Jesus our King, is to be open and receptive in prayer, content to follow and to receive what God chooses to give us. So in this very special week, let each period of prayer be simply asking for the grace of this week, to be close to Christ as he does the will of the Father, and help us too to do his will.